that they're not just Googling everything, you know, that they're not only just going on Google and trying to find out all of this information and then coming back, but it's not really the best information. That's where we really come in with buyers like that and educating them, setting expectations. Welcome to Let's Talk Real with Mel. We are here with the Aaron Bates real estate team serving Long Island, Brooklyn, Queens in New York. And we're in uh, downtown Philadelphia right now at the Bellevue Hotel. Nice hotel, right? Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no, thanks for hanging out. What, um, tell us a little bit about your, your team, what the, what the, you know, kind of what the makeup is. Is it just you guys? Is it, um, do you have other team members? How, what, what does it look like? Yeah, we, 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 um, we run a little steel team. So it's a couple of buyers, agents, assistant, and there'll be still deep production and stuff. So. Okay. So you guys stay pretty busy. Yeah. All right. We also own and operate a, a brokerage too. So we have another about 45 agents as, as well on top of that. Okay. Wow. So I didn't, okay. So you got kind of two different, um, totally separate, but connected kind of businesses going. Mm-hmm. Right. A bunch of seal teams within our office and then individuals. Um, agents as well. Okay. And what does, um, what is the, what is it like? How many clients do you serve? What does that kind of look like in a, on an, like on an annual basis and how long have you been in, in this real estate stuff? So I've been, um, I've been a part of the team since 2017. So six years, Aaron's been in the business for 12 years. Um, we partnered up and, uh, we've been partners for six years and we just started growing our team this year. Um, we serve about a hundred clients a year. Okay. Um, and so we've got, you know, what, probably over five or 600 families that we've helped at this point. Pretty cool. And, um, yeah, we're just looking to serve a few more people every year. All right. And grow a little, little bit at a time, right? So, so what got you into, into real estate in, in the first place? I mean, did, did you like as a little kid, like playing in the dirt to just say, I want to, I want to be a realtor. Like, yeah. No, I did every, every job imaginable leading up to it. It was really a phone call that I received. Uh, Rebecca's probably heard this a million times, but a friend of mine called me up, said, what are you doing with your life? I was kind of offended when he first said that, but I, I realized that he was saying it for a reason. And he said, you should go get your real estate license. You're always a hustler. I think you'd be good at it. So fast, fast forward, did the real estate exam, the classes, everything, ended up in the REO business. So I started in distressed sales, that's bank-owned properties, short sales, you know, so we're working with a lot of uh, investors and, and um, homes that were very uh, in bad shape. Not the, yeah, in, not the most, des- and the most desirable condition. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right, and then that, so you started in the REO space, and then you started straight in, in, in real estate when you got like, or were you doing a real estate affiliated businesses before? No, no. So I was a teacher. Okay. Um, so I am a previous teacher. I'm taught in St. Louis, Missouri. I moved to Long Island. Um, I stayed at home with my kids for a little while. And then it was time when I was started to go back to work into teaching. I, um, I had this overwhelming feeling that I did not want to be held to anybody else's expectations of me. You know, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to go to work and, you know, nine to five or nine to three as a teacher or whatever. Um, 
I didn't want to be required by anybody to do anything. I know that sounds kind of terrible. Right. And I'm sure it's, so it's, then it's easier now, right? When you're with it, right. Now you have more people. Right, now you have more requirements, right? Right, but, you know, most importantly, I have two kids. One of my kids has a lot of needs, and she needs me for different things at different times, and it's very unexpected. So because of that, I didn't want to be held down to something where I had to, like, have a boss and be like, sorry, I have to take my kid to the doctor today. Um, And real estate gave me that freedom where I was able to start making money, be in complete control of my time. And I never had to worry about meeting my children's needs, what my children needed from me um, while doing my job at the same time. I was always able to figure that out. And that was one of the most important things that a job in real estate actually gave to me. Now, I also had that very unexpected thing where you work in real estate, you make your own hours. It's just all of the hours, right? Right. You, right. you get to make them as just from like midnight to 1159. Right. You know, there's that also. But it's, you know, when you work in real estate, you own your own business. You can do whatever you want and make your business however you want. I think that's one of the most important things that I've learned about this career. Okay, school teacher. So we, I've, I've learned uh, through your school teachers make excellent realtors. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Because of the patients and you want to make sure they understand and stuff like that. So so you so you um, came from REO, working with investors, working with distressed properties, and then you guys kind of came together, started the team. Uh, kind of transitioned to more traditional real estate. So working with, you know, homeowners, regular homeowners on their, their home that they've been in for 30, 40 years. And the first time home buyers, second time home buyers, but still having the the background of the distressed and investor and that that kind of uh, the real estate. Now, now, how did being in that business in the REO business kind of because it's really a different business than right? But how what skills did you kind of extract from working with investors and doing that that translate over to working with on the retail side? You know, with a with a you know. A, a Susie Seller, you know, a Harry homeowner that wants to buy or sell and, and live in it. Right. Um, understanding um, the investment itself, understanding that um, that anything, any property could turn into something much more than what they see a, at the first time. Understanding the loan programs that they may need in order to get that foreclosed home and actually close on it. Because a lot of people don't realize that there is a specific type of loan that you need in order to to purchase it, assuming that they, they are using a mortgage and what can and not been comes. Um, also understanding the cost of everything. Um, obviously, co- costs are inflated now too, but like understanding that is able, both, both of us, because I taught Rebecca a lot of it too, is to get a, a client from here to there, seeing the vision of a, a potential home that could be much better than what's right. Yeah, so and I think that's probably important because a lot of times, particularly for first-time home buyers, um, you know, second-time and move-up buyers, they already know their house and they're selling today is worth a lot more than it was until they paid five or ten or fifteen years ago. But for the first-time home buyer, you know, this is just so much money that they're putting down, and they are putting all of their faith and trust in you guys to make sure you know. And everyone's like, "Well, what if what if I buy the house for ten dollars and then five years from now it's only worth seven dollars?" You know, and you're 
there to say no. I mean, based on trends and based on the last 50 years, you know, prices always go up. So I think that's important to, 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 to pull in on that knowledge that you have. And then I guess you could spin it in a way to Rebecca, then you can use your education background to help the client understand. Yeah, I think um, having a bit of an overlap between distressed property and a traditional property um, really helps us set buyer expectations. We have um, historically worked with a lot of first-time home buyers. For the first few years where we were together, um, our business was probably 80% first-time home buyers. Um, now it's evolved a lot. However, a first-time buyer needs to learn a lot and you have to set a lot of expectations. So being able to explain to them why they maybe can't buy this property or explain to them their options for buying a property or being able to show them how something can become something else, um, I think it really helps to make the process better for them. You know, today's buyer, they rely on us for a lot of information, but you know, like, our millennials, our Gen Zs, they are going out and looking for information on their own. Um, so we need to be a trusted source for them. Um, by It's like, oh, well, no, we're good. We're good. You need to be a trusted source. It needs to be a really trusted source for them. It's really, really important that um, that they're not just Googling everything, you know, that they're not only just going on Google and trying to find out all of this information and then coming back, but it's not really the best information. That's where we really come in with buyers like that and educating them, setting expectations. Okay. So, for, so, and I guess, I guess in the beginning, working with, you know, 80% first time home buyers, how has that changed? over the past six ish years. I guess now is it is it more balanced? Because now your first time home buyers from six years ago are now selling and kind of moving up. Home then open up. Right. We do a, we work with a lot more sellers now than buyers. It's evolved a lot. Um it turns into the first time seller. Yeah. And that's not even just on the first time home buyer. It's like the the person that's been in sitting in their all for thirty to fifty years, they never sold a home before. So they don't understand the process. I we had a closing all their day. They, I think it was in their family for sixty five years. Yeah, that's cool. You know, yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Um, but yeah, so those first time home buyers, a lot of them have turned into first time sellers already, or they're probably going to be soon. So, what's really fun is that we did get to kind of walk them through buying their first house, and then we get to walk them through selling that first house and buying that second house, which is usually the dream house. Right. First time one isn't usually right. usually the second or third. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so now, and I, now imagine from a business perspective. I mean, you know, you guys are serving a hundred clients. You guys have served five, hundred, six hundred clients so far. I would guess that it has always been easy and perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, right. No, well, always. All, every right. Deal, every so deal, right. You know, we show them one house. And they brought they buy it. right, and just business. I mean, I'm sure the business just comes to you and the and the and the bills the, the money is overflowing like you just don't know what if, to do with if it. only the viewers could hear our conversation that we all had at that dinner table right I think. <laughs> yeah but uh it was it was fun um yeah no it's not all rainbows and butterflies for sure it's uh you know the i just said we had a closing the other day and that that actually started back in july of last summer you know we sold the house five times we hit a rough patch um and 
it's not even about us. It's about that. The, the homeowners, what they dealt with, it's like in that time period, they, uh, the interest rates spiked that offset the mortgage for the current buyer that we had under contract. Um, they had to take out a loan. Then they had to take out a second loan. They were buy- building a house in another state that they were moving to to re- retire. And then it was just one thing after that our, uh, the, the um, wife, she uh, fell down the stairs and had to get surgery on her leg. Whoa. A month before, uh, 30 days before today, she dropped a chair on her foot and broke her foot. Like it was just like not everything on top of all the real estate um, hurdles that we had. I mean, and like I said, we sold the house five times. So like, wasn't, we're hoping that not only did we will learn a lot from the experience, but we could bring that to our future clients saying, well, so-and-so did this. So this is what happened during this uh, transaction. We don't want you to be that. Right. Uh, We don't want that year. Show them some of the pitfalls. These are some of the things that, that my clients experience. And then these are the things that we learned from it. And this is how we can kind of navigate around some of those landmines, hopefully. I think the more problems you encounter, the more you learn how to prevent the problems later. You know, when we sit down with a client and we're talking about everything to do with selling their home, you the red flags go off in your head. Like, this could be a problem. We have to make sure we prevent it. This could be a problem. We have to make sure that we're on top of that. What can we do now to make sure that everything does go smoother because once you get under contract, you want to just you want to just go from contract to close. You don't want to encounter more problems. So everything we can prevent before the house goes on the market or before we have a contract makes it easier for the Right. Pretty pretty cool. Yeah. So the so you you're um I like the you guys have a has a have an awesome balance. Yeah. And, yeah, I love it. I feel the I feel the energy. It's a very calming and I'm sure your clients feel it too. You know, when you guys can say, Yes, no, the the roof is falling into the kitchen, but it's going to be fine. Yeah, it's right. going to be gorgeous. Right. When we the insurance coming with the exit. Right. So, what do you, what, outside of real estate, I mean, I know you're, you're, you know, full time, you're working, and then your part time job is probably working some more. What, what do you like to do? What do you like to do when, when you're not doing the full time or the part time? Well, I am an unpaid Uber driver for my children. Uh, okay. We're in that stage of life where I, if I'm not working, I am driving my kids around to live their best life. <laughs> um, Sports activity, any bit. So, yeah, soccer mom, softball mom, basketball mom, theater mom. Okay. Those are my hobbies. All right. Right. Your hobbies are their hobbies. Right. Yeah. Their hobbies are my hobbies, Frank. <laughs> as far as I go, um, I would say I still fit in time to coach lacrosse. I played lacrosse in high school and college. Won a national championship actually here in Philly at Lincoln Financial. Oh wow! Okay, um, we're coming up on our twenty-year anniversary. Oh wow! Where? Where's where's uh, where did you play? MIT in in um, Old Westbury, New York. Okay, good stuff. Little D two school, tech school. Okay, so it was good experience, and um, I knew that I wouldn't continue to really play unless it was like pick up or something or a league or whatever. Um, so my way of staying involved with the sport is is teaching and coaching. And I've been coaching for the last 12 years or 14 years with the youth uh, program, travel program. So it's year-round, but for the most part, it's really starting in the spring and ending in, in the middle of the summer. So Pretty good credentials. I'd love my coach to be a national champion. Yeah. Might know a thing or two. Yeah. But <laughs> you know a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, right now I'm fifth grader, so it's a little bit different. I've always been at the varsity level. I've been relearning how to coach at that level. And um, and that's been a, a learning curve for me in the last three years. So, oh, teaching the younger younger folks. Yeah, we're the, the varsity boys. It's boys lacrosse, so they pretty much know they have their stick skills. And, you know, it's just fine-tuning up and getting to play together as a team. Whereas the the boys at the fifth grade level, which I started with at second grade, um, it's like stick skills and learning like lacrosse IQ, where you need to be on the field, learning just about everything. Boo -boo. It's a lot more patience, which kind of relates into real estate. Like I think the two of them do intertwine. Even though I'm talking about a sport and we're talking about real estate. Yeah. People don't, it, it's, I mean, I know it's connected and you know it's connected. But I mean, for the viewer out there, just the, the coaching journey um, makes you a better leader, you know, and, and, and it, um, I would say that and the teacher learns more than the student. So you're, you know, as you're coaching the car, I'm, I'm sure that like every day when you're coaching, you're like, okay, yeah. And they got, they get it that point, whatever it was, and they get it. You're able to probably translate how, however you were able to get that point across to help them get it and relate it directly to a, to maybe a real estate client mm -hmm. that is having trouble understanding a certain concept or you're needing them to kind of get on board with a certain approach. Or even um, one of our team members, you know, we, we, now that we have a team, it's a lot of coaching, you know, and guiding them in the right direction. And so we've made a lot of mistakes that we've learned from, which is great because I'd like to think that when I started out in real estate, I had the benefit of Aaron helping me. So I would listen to his phone calls. I was like shadowing him all of the time and just picking up on everything. And so now as we are coaching team members, we want to kind of offer them the same thing. So the same opportunities to hear conversations, to learn from what we've already learned, you know, to, to skip a few steps ahead faster um, because of our experience so that they don't have to go through everything that you had to go through. Yeah, springboard upgrade. You know. You make it so they don't make the mistakes that we've already made or we've already handled that situation before. Oh, this is great. This is how we're going to handle it here. Yeah. But it's what we needed to do back then. So. Yeah, it's a lot easier to, when you're teaching someone, to say, oh, I've had that before. This is what we're going to do. Then it is to jump into the emotional boat with them and ride out all the waves and get all upset and crazy, yeah. you know, which real estate can do to all of us. It's done it to us many, many times. But I think that we really learned how to how to coast through and how to navigate problems really well, which is helping us. Yeah, cool. And, um, so that yeah, and it's and it does that that coaching component does help you, uh, you know, as Tom would say, you know, be the rock. Like the co the, the 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 clients, your team members. Though they may try to pull you into that right. roller coaster, it's better, you know, you don't want the, I, I would say the, the stewardess or the steward on the plane likes to run into the aisle, like screaming. Right. Like, that would freak me out. Like, even if the, even if it's really bad, they, I look at them and if they're nice and calm, then I'm like, I guess it can't be too bad, you know, the turbulence, right. you know. And so speaking of turbulence, what sharing time, you know, if you would either, you know, professionally uh, or personally, where there was some, you know, a significant amount of turbulence. And how did you guys get through that? I have one. So when I, I always call it my real year in real estate, um, no pun intended, but 
um, Sandy hit Long Island. Well, it hit other places too, but it really affected everybody locally. Like, I mean, people were literally underwater. Their houses were underwater. And um, so real estate pretty much shut down, and so did everything shut down. Everyone was really trying to figure out, what the hell am I doing here, right? And um, at that time, I'm like, I just started to really get going in real estate. And I'm like, I'm actually starting self-homes. At the time, I was still bartending. I That's the background I came from. I, I was bartending for so many years. And um, and I couldn't bartend either. So I was making absolutely no money. I had to think outside the box of fear. What the hell am I doing? Like, no one's selling a house. No one's buying a house. So I think this had a lot to do with being in the REO business. I had an investor base that... I could rely on there because most investors, if they're not scared, would buy still. Yeah, they're looking at opportunities. Yeah. As an opportunity. So I started door knocking and just going to areas where they were as distressed as possible, all underwater or were at once one point. And some people just wanted to get out. So I was out there helping people. So I just started wholesaling houses. I bought a house in the morning. I sold it in the afternoon. Um, I would just align everybody together and I'm doing that like five or seven times in the matter of like 60 days. And that was able to like transition me through that period. Right. And then as most of the yokers are, they get over it quick. They, they, they're like, all right, shit, shit happened. Now let's fucking get it done. Right. Let's fix it and stuff. And that's what happened. I know it, it was a time period where everybody had to rebuild and stuff, but through the rebuilding era, through that, time period where everybody's still trying to figure it out that's what that's how i figured it out for myself and for those people my family ever and and also providing i mean the wholesalers i'll tell you and my clients too wholesalers investors play a very valuable role in the real estate ecosystem because you by being able being in a position to make an offer to someone who just wanted to sell and they wanted they didn't want to list on the market they wanted to like i just need this over with so I can move on, you were able to step in and, and yes, you were able to benefit as well, but you were able to serve that family. Yep. You know, which comes back to the service side of right. what you, you know, kind of, and, and so what'd you say? I mean, you touched on it, the bargaining piece, how did that, um, how did that background help you? I would guess that it did help you just on, in, in running the office as all. So when real estate is a lot of personalities, we've, bartending or any service industry business or yeah any service job or business there's a lot of people so there's a lot of personalities and there's a lot that goes along with that so not only when i ran the bar and i was behind the bar i treated it as a business because if the bar wasn't making money i wasn't making money so i had it from if i'm going to be there from seven to four o'clock in the morning i have to make sure that everybody knows my name and that they're coming back next time i'm there so I was meeting people all the time, and I, I always said I wasn't a bartender. I was a professional friend maker. I was a sociologist, psychologist, a bouncer at times, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, you're slinging drinks. So, But in my 20s, I wasn't thinking that that $5 beer was going to turn into a $500,000 home. I wasn't thinking that. Even when I did get in this, real estate and bartending overlapped about four years, I think, or five years maybe. I always said that I want to stop bartending until either I got tired, it was too much for me, or I wasn't making the money. I did both at the same time. I got rid of it, and at that point, my real estate career kind of 
So I did them side by side and they didn't. I still did real estate full time and I just bartended two to three times a week. And they did all these side hustles. So by that, I gained all these friends through the bar and that know, like, and trust me. It turned into about 75% of our business for a long time. Wow. You know? Okay. But the difference was when I was behind the bar, people didn't take me serious. Like I said, I, there was an overlap. They didn't take me serious as Aaron, the real estate agent. It was Aaron, the bartender. Mm-hmm. Once I think that I stopped bartending, that's when those people that were coming in the bar really started to buy if they didn't already. And that's when I think they started to take me serious because I started to take myself serious. And because in the beginning, um, I was more of a secret agent and that was my fault. People kind of knew, but people didn't really know. Yeah, you weren't screaming it from the rooftops. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot. I think a lot of uh, agents especially agents that have done different things, you know, and the, and then the, and the, and our, we talk about friends and family aren't, aren't always, though they, they, they want the best for us, but they aren't always, they're, they're vocal. They're, they're opinionated. Yeah. And so sometimes when you're hearing that in your head, oh, you were selling insurance, then you were selling water. Now you're, what, what's next? What are you, what are you doing now? Selling all your realtor now, you know, and, and we can sometimes let that negative energy you silence us, silence us at times, and then we don't want to scream to the rooftops. So it's good that you were able to um, to let that let the bartending go, and that's when you. It sounds like that's when you really got to see some tremendous growth. Yeah, and just that is pretty loaded. We we then um, the, year the, was, the year you stopped bartending was the year, that, year we partnered up, and the business became a business. It was. It was not just selling real estate. It was, this is our business. We're building it. We're growing it. We're thinking about it in multiple ways. You know, we're systematizing it. And at that point, I think that's when it went, that's when you went from, like, you tripled the business from the year. It was kind of like, down there to the year that was kind of like doing it. Not, not that I was doing it as a hobby, but I was treating it like a hobby. And I think that's the problem with a lot of real estate agents is they they don't they don't have either they don't have a coach that gets them to that point, or they have no idea what they're actually getting themselves into. Like you have to, real estate is one the sky sky's the limit. Two, you have to treat it as a career in your business, not as a job. It's no longer a job anymore unless you can treat it like or a hustle, right? Right. It's not not networking events. It's not lunches and coffees and high heels and fancy cars. It's really not. It's not that glamorous. The reality of it is that it's late nights. It's early mornings. It's practicing, learning, getting better every single day. And I think that the commitment to be better is what helped us grow. Um, And just having plans. You know, writing a business plan every year. I said this to to a new new guy I met down at the conference, um, Sterling, and um, he he just got into coaching. I said, I think what's a great thing for you. I said, just you know, interview a couple coaches. He was going to be your best friend and dive in. The year that Rebecca and I joined uh, joined the team together was the first year that we did a business plan. Um, Part of that business plan was doing video too. And, and this is not to say that we're the pioneers of it, but no one was doing video that. And we actually set a plan on how we were going to do videos for nine months. 
and it wasn't doing two videos a day or one video a day because they didn't none of those you didn't have, I wasn't the thing but it took seven months to get the traction on it but it was the consistency of it people started seeing it thinking they were doing so much business as we were doing business we just weren't doing as much as we wanted to but the business plan that we set out is we pretty much had numbers of where we were getting all of our business and that year we said we wanted to just close 49 units and to the end of that calendar year, we closed 47. Those other two closed the first week in January. That's how sickening that like that plan came together. You were focused, and you and you map so and you you almost you, you manifested it. You made it happen. You willed it in, but it started with the plan. Yeah, it started with the plan, and I can't tell people often enough: you need to have a plan. And most of the time, they ignore me. Well, if you don't have really? a plan, you plan to fail pretty much. Mm-hmm. You're setting yourself up for a failure. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think that with enough times, you know, like you, it took you six years to write a business plan, to sit down and write a business plan. Yeah. And then the sixth year, you did it, and it worked. Right? Amazing. Right. <laughs> right. Everybody just writes the business plan on year one or maybe year two, but, you know, it's the plan. You have to have something to focus on. If you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, when you talk to them, they'll say, "Well, yeah, I have, I, I, I have a plan. You know, I know what I, I know what I'm, I know what I'm, what I want to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. It's, I've got it all up here. It's not the same as writing it down, putting it on paper, looking at, reviewing your plan. It's, it's not, and it's not just a goal. It's not just, oh, I'm going to do this. It's like, well, you have to map out really how you're going to get there. And it is, it is hard and it's challenging, but it's that commitment to the plan. If you commit to the plan, the plan will work and follow through. Um, so I think people just have to see that. And when they see it come out in enough, enough times, then they catch on. Cool. Cool. So what's, what's next for you guys? I mean, you're doing a lot of transactions. You're serving a lot of families. Um, you're building a team, but. What what do you guys see yourself, uh, where do you guys see yourselves in the next three to five years with respect to the team, with respect to the the the, the, the family, the, mm-hmm. the lacrosse? The, I mean, where, where do you guys see yourself? I think that we're going to hit our stride soon where we really start to see the results of all the hard work that we've done over the last two years um, and kind of get to that next level where we've got a team that really is, Every, where everyone on our team is thriving at that point. Um, what do you think? No, I, th- like, I think that's exactly where we're headed. I think that we just need to make to make some changes. It's a it's an evolving thing. Like every single day you're trying to better yourself. You know, and that's the one thing that I think that stops us from going here. You know, we're, we'll get there. We just got to work on it a little bit, step by step and you know, mm-hmm. being here uh, this weekend at the conference and stuff, there's, you could take in so much, but you got to implement it. Right. Right. What are you going to do? Otherwise, it does just stay up here. They were like, oh, yeah. They will be at the next conference. Oh, yeah, 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 that. I'll be there. So, yeah, you got to. It's all about execution. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and not overwhelming. I mean, you know, we, we want something to do as much as we can. We want to do it all. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to, oh, I'm going to do that. Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And the reality is, is that we're, we can't, we're one person in one body 
with 168 hours a week and you know pick your top the, the most the, the one thing that's going to have the most impact and then get that on track or and or delegate some things you know i think we 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 oftentimes don't do that as much as we could and that that helps too right like you said you have those 168 hours in a week and you have to be the ceo of those 168 hours it doesn't matter if you're a first year agent or 20 year agent you have to manage all of those hours and you have to put those really important activities right where they belong and you have to delegate those other activities that you don't have time for and you have to make time for your personal life and your family life and and your health and if you approach your real estate career like you are the ceo of your real estate career then you're going to be a much happier person all around and you're going to have that nice balance which is really why you went into real estate right we want financial freedom we want to make good money we want to spend time with our family it's good we, you know yeah. <laughs> we want to be successful but we want to enjoy our success and you're not going to enjoy it if you don't act like the ceo and create those disciplines so we we've heard you know, it sounds like a lot of hard work yeah. involved. Would you would you have it any other way though? No. I mean, if you had, if you could rewind the clock six years or twelve years, you could have just you know stayed as a teacher. You could have stayed as a bartender. Would you have? Would you trade all of this hard work you put in? You know, and you've had success, but you still have goals and plans and other you know new new thresholds that you want to reach. Is it was it worth it? Is it worth it? Because some people will say, hundred percent. Okay. We would not have the life that we have today if either one of us stayed in those directions. No, I don't think so. I don't think I'd be, I wouldn't feel fulfilled. I also don't know what else I would actually do. I, I, I would, I don't, I, I feel like I'm still growing up and I don't know what I want to do when I get full. You know I grow up. Right. right. And we went through so many years of doing it. I didn't just bartend. And that was the thing that stuck out the most. I did a shit ton of stuff. I just never could figure out what I wanted to do. And it was that simple phone call that kind of like sparked something. And I just jumped in head first. And I'm like, let me figure this out. I'm going to swim through this. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna get it done. But yeah, I can't I can't imagine doing anything else because I think real estate is, is, a, is a starting point to so many other things that you can do. You know, you don't have to just um, for sell, sell and, and sell real estate to other people. You can go buy yourself. We'll, we'll do long-term wealth, you know, generational right. wealth. Uh, there's so many avenues. You could become an investor, you know. There's just, there's, real estate could, could be the starting point of another business that you might start. You know, there's, there's, there's so many avenues that could get you so many other places. Yeah, and the people you meet, you know. Yeah. The people you meet, the, um, yeah. that's, oh, it's a, you know, we're recently engaged, um, Congratulations! Thanks. A couple months ago, her birthday. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, you know, I would have never met her if she never came to my office six years ago. It started off as a business relationship and evolved to something else. So, this stuff. we we have a lot of uh, lot of interesting things that that make it could be making it harder, but I think we balance it out. We're completely two different people, um, and you know, there people talk about work life balance. I don't know if there's really is ever a balance, to be honest with you. It's life. Yeah. Like if you love your work, your work is part of your life. And it's not two separate things. It's this this 
thing and it commingles. It's like a little, like a love nut, right? If there's no beginning and there's no end because when you enjoy your work, um, you don't look at it as an intrusion on the rest of your life. You look at how do I fit in my, how do I fit in this appointment? How do I fit in this activity? How do I fit in time with my spouse? How do I fit in my kid's game? You know, it's all, it's totally part of that circle, right? It all goes in that. And it's not a balance. It is just living. That's it. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Let me see. Let's see. I got a quote of the day. Let's see. We'll see. Yeah, no, I love that. I'm thinking like a pretzel of work and family. I, th- I actually thought about the new dog toy that we just got for. Oh, oh yeah, that's it. It was this a rope that it was all yeah. Up. That's a first. That's yeah, I love that. I'll put a stiff right. I'm not in her bathroom. Right, see, right. All right, real estate. Yeah, I say you learn something, right? You learn something. All right, quote of the day: Real estate is like Jack and the Beanstalk's goose that lays golden eggs. It's something that pays you month after month, whether you are working or not. And that's Kathy Fetke, co-founder and co-VC. Co-CEO of Real Wealth. Yeah, I think, she, and I think she means like that passive income that you can create through owning real estate, that long-term wealth, and you know, just that it comes from owning real estate, whether you're an investor or whether it's the home that you're living in, because it is an investment that keeps giving back to you over and over again. Yeah, and when you sell it, it is that goose. You're selling the goose, so the the, the dividend stock. So you got to quickly sell it and then put it into something else. So that's awesome. So if we want to reach you, let's say we we want to join you, your growing team. Uh, we want to, um, you know, maybe we have a house to sell in, you know, Long Island, Brooklyn, Queens, or anywhere. I mean, you guys are, you, you have contacts all over the country. In um, Right. Yeah. <laughs> if, if someone wanted to reach you guys, what's the best way? Instagram. Yeah. Um, at Aaron Bates Real Estate. Yeah, we have, we're, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, you know. Mm-hmm. YouTube. It's all Aaron Bates Real Estate. Awesome. That's the best way. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. All right. Well, this was awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Oh, yeah. All right. It was great. <laughs> Enjoyed it. All right.